and to dive into topics on how to live a happier, healthier, more fit, and long lifespan, then you've come to the right podcast. Live in the dream with me, Coach Damian Evans. Together, we will explore the topics on all things health, fitness, and wellness. Together, we will be lifelong learners on this journey to living the ultimate dream. What up, Dream Team? Coach D here coming at you with a bite-sized brain snack. And these episodes were inspired because of our obsession with snacks. We love to fuel our bodies with these little bite-sized nutritious foods. And we've also talked about adding movement snacks into our day the same way. So we have food and we have movement covered, but what about our brains? It's time to add some little bite-sized brain snacks into your week. And that's what these episodes will be all about. Bite-sized wellness wisdom for lifelong learners. So let's open up and satiate our minds. This brain snack is all about the invigorating world of breath work with a special overview of Professor Andrew Huberman's enlightening podcast on breath work tips for optimal health, focus, and stress. But first, before we get started, a reminder that we do have a weekly newsletter where we share all things health, fitness, nutrition, wellness for all of us lifelong learners. You can access links to all of these things that I found interesting while researching that past week. Often I include a follow-along workout or even some follow-along breath work. So if you'd like to be added to that newsletter mailing list, please send me a message through social media or email. Include your email and I'll put you right on it. Now, breath work is no longer just some mythical practice that you associate with ancient yogis in remote caves. No, it's the secret sauce to unlock optimal health, turbocharge your focus, and slam the door on stress. And guess what? Professor Andrew Huberman did a great masterclass episode that breaks it all down for us. Professor Huberman for those of you that don't know, is a neuroscientist and a professor of neurobiology at Stanford University. He's a rock star in the world of health, a guru in the realm of neuroscience, and a Jedi master when it comes to hacking your brain and body for maximum performance. So when he drops knowledge, you better believe that we are all ears. Professor Huberman said, breathwork is more than just inhale and exhale. It's a potent tool to harness the power of your nervous system. When you master it, you can unlock your body's natural capacity for vitality, resilience, and laser-like focus. Oh, we're in for a treat here, my friends. In this episode, we'll be discussing and dissecting some of Professor Huberman's key takeaways. We'll talk about the science behind breathwork, how it affects your physiology, and We'll even give you some practical real-world tips that you can start using today to supercharge your health and mental clarity. It's like having a secret weapon right in your lungs. So don't hold your breath. Well, actually, do hold it for a moment. And then exhale, because we are about to embark on a breathtaking journey through the world of breathwork. Professor Huberman is about to drop some knowledge bombs that will leave you and me breathless in a good way, of course. So in episode 112 of the Huberman Lab podcast called How to Breathe Correctly for Optimal Health, Mood, Learning, and Performance, Professor Huberman discusses how deliberate respiration or breathing represents a unique and powerful bridge between 
our subconscious and conscious mind, and how specific breathing protocols allow us to shift the state of our brain and body in very powerful ways. So in today's episode, we're going to explain how to use specific breathing patterns to influence your brain body state and thereby positively shift your mood, your physical capacity, your focus, and even improve your sleep. What? Those are huge, huge levers that you can pull for your health. Indeed, even brief, deliberate breathing protocols, if done correctly, can positively impact all of these things around the clock. Your mood, your physical capacity, your focus, your sleep, not just during the breathwork practice, but all around the clock. So let's talk about why we breathe. Why do we breathe? Breathing allows the body to draw in oxygen, O2, and then discard carbon dioxide, CO2, or more accurately, to balance the ratios of O2 and CO2 in our brain and body. When we inhale, oxygen fills and passes from millions of little tiny sacs in our lungs called alveoli, and that then goes into the bloodstream. Once oxygen is in the blood, a carrier molecule called hemoglobin helps deliver the oxygen to the cells of your brain and all of your body. Okay, so this is going to get a little sciencey here, but hang with me. While carbon dioxide is a cellular waste product, it is also essential for proper oxygenation of our cells. And here's how. Carbon dioxide changes that carrier hemoglobin shape to help liberate bound oxygen. So when oxygen is bound up, carbon dioxide changes hemoglobin shape to help liberate that bound oxygen into the surrounding cells and tissues. This is important because carbon dioxide levels also relate to our body's pH level, the level of acidity in our blood or in our body. During exercise, the body's pH drops slightly. And that results in increased oxygen offloading to exercising muscles. So because when we exercise, the acidity increases, which drops our pH, that then tells our body to start sending oxygen to exercising muscles. We need that oxygen to perform. Now, when exhaling, when we exhale, carbon dioxide is then removed from our bloodstream passing from the alveoli into the lungs, and then with the exhale, exiting the body via our mouth or our nose. At rest, the brain has the most metabolically active cells in the body, the brain, and thus requires significant levels of oxygen. Improper O2-CO2 ratios, improper oxygen and carbon dioxide ratios, can put the body into what's called a hypoxic state, which just means lack of oxygen and negatively affects cognition and physical function. So when you have improper balance of oxygen and CO2, that puts your body into a hypoxic state, a lack of oxygen state, and this is going to obviously negatively affect your cognition, how you think, brain fog, fatigue, and physical function. In order to constantly monitor levels of oxygen and CO2, carbon dioxide within the body, parallel mechanical and chemical 
pathways are vigilantly regulating our breathing patterns. And for the sake of time, we're not going to go into the mechanical and chemical pathways that do vigilantly regulate these breathing patterns, but just know that there are mechanical and chemical things going on in your body that are helping to regulate when you breathe. So how do we optimize breathing? Healthy at-rest breathing patterns bring about six liters of air into the lungs per minute. Six liters of air per minute in healthy at-rest breathing patterns, which is accomplished by taking about 12 shallow to moderate breaths per minute, 12 breaths per minute. However, most people over-breathe, quote-unquote over-breathe, averaging about 15 to 18 breaths per minute instead of that 12. Over-breathing causes excessive exhalation, thereby reducing carbon dioxide, this is a term called hypocapnia, and decreasing oxygen delivery to the brain and other tissues. So you over-breathe and thereby reduce carbon dioxide, and then now you don't have that great oxygen delivery to your brain and other tissues. When the brain does not receive adequate oxygen, it becomes hyper-excitable, causing difficulty focusing and anxiety. Hmm, that sounds interesting. What are we having a problem with right now in our society? Trouble focusing and anxiety. To reduce over-breathing when doing non-exercise activities, try one, taking small pauses between breaths, and two, using nasal breathing as opposed to mouth breathing, because the relatively higher resistance of the nostrils automatically extends the duration of your exhales. So to reduce over-breathing when not exercising, one, try to take small pauses between your breaths, and two, use nasal breathing through the nose. In addition to slowing breath rate, nasal breathing at rest and during sleep has benefits compared to mouth breathing. And before I talk about those benefits, it is important to note that mouth breathing does have its place, especially when exercising, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But nasal breathing, for the most part, is what we're all striving to do. Now, the benefits of nasal breathing. The increased resistance of nasal breathing allows for maximum lung inflation each breath, and this is to increase oxygen delivery to the body. The nasal passages also warm the incoming air, which is healthier for the lungs. Also, nitric oxide gas is produced in nasal passages and causes smooth muscle relaxation. So nasal breathing improves blood vessel dilation, which is the blood vessel getting bigger, to efficiently remove waste, deliver nutrients, and to help relieve sinus congestion. And a really great book on breath is the book Breath by James Nestor. It goes into nasal breathing. It goes into the downsides of mouth breathing. It goes into how you breathe, can even shape your skull structure. Such a great book. We've recommended it many times before, but if you haven't read it yet, it should be on your next list, Breath by James Nestor. And then lastly, nasal breathing improves facial aesthetics, such as the elevation of the eyebrows and the cheekbones, the sharpening of the jaw, and improvement of the tooth and jaw structure. While many people over-breathe during the day, 
many have the opposite problem at night. Sleep apnea occurs when breaths are too shallow or infrequent, causing temporary hypoxia and frequent waking throughout the night. This condition is more frequent in individuals carrying excess weight. So if you're overweight, this is more frequent, but even lean people can underbreathe in their sleep and can lead to many issues. Symptoms like sleepiness, snoring, morning headaches, irritability, inattention. This underbreathing state at night has potential risks, increasing the risk of cardiovascular disease and stroke. It exacerbates dementia. It impacts your cognitive function, and it decreases your libido. Some treatment options currently are to wear a CPAP machine, uh, also sleep with medical tape on your mouth to force nasal breathing, so mouth taping, and also practicing nasal breathing during exercise throughout the day to train properly how to breathe, and then hopefully that translates into the night. But if you hear your significant other snoring, they are essentially strangling themselves. This is not something to laugh at. This I know it's not a laughing matter, especially the person having to listen to the snore because that's frustrating in itself. But this is a serious, serious topic that needs to be addressed. You can't just let this person underbreathe for years and years and not expect it to not have any long-term ramifications down the road. So test your breathing. To reduce overbreathing, Practice controlling the diaphragm, which is a lot harder than it sounds, especially if you haven't done it before. This is an important muscle for breathing located below the lungs. It's like a suction cup muscle that pulls everything down to give more air capacity in the lung region. And one way to do this, to practice controlling the diaphragm, is to deliberately expand your stomach out. So when inhaling, you want to expand that stomach out, like you're giving yourself kind of like a like a pregnant belly look. And then when inhaling, and you want to let it return back in while exhaling. So inhaling, your stomach goes out, and exhaling, your stomach comes in. And a lot of the breathing experts that are like really, really deep into it, they say that this isn't that great of a thing just because all you're doing is controlling the muscles of your abdomen. But really, it kind of does, I I think it does help you train getting that full breath in. So just getting your muscle to go into that position is super important so that later on you can get a little bit more advanced in this. So again, expand your stomach out when you're inhaling and then let it return back in while exhaling. Also, take The carbon dioxide tolerance test. This one's crazy. The CO2 tolerance test. This is a tool developed by human performance expert Brian McKenzie, who is a great follow if you want to go real deep into the breath and performance world. Brian McKenzie, he says, to measure your ability to control the diaphragm and discard rate of CO2, this is the test that you want to do. And it's easy and it's free. So here's how you do it. You want to breathe normally for four to five breaths. Just breathe normally, count your breaths, four or five of them. And then you want to inhale one time as deeply as you can through your nose until your lungs are completely full in through your nose as much as you can. Then start a timer and measure how long it takes for you to slowly exhale all of that air out. Make the exhale as slow as possible. 
And once all the air is out, you're going to stop the timer when you can no longer exhale any more air. And note how long your exhale took. Stop the timer when your lungs are empty. It's not about measuring how long you can hold your breath and then just breathe normally. Now, if you want to see how you stack up with your results, I'm going to include a table in the description of this podcast. So go to the description and look at this link that I just put. It's going to have a table of all the results of where you stand. Poor, good, better, excellent, that kind of thing. And then from those results, now, in order to get better, you're going to practice two to three minutes of box breathing, which we'll talk about in a second, two to three minutes of box breathing, one to two times per week. And this is going to be to improve your diaphragmatic control and learn to increase your CO2 discard rate. This will translate to less over-breathing when at rest, and you'll likely see improved performance during exercise and reduced anxiety as well, and hopefully a little bit more breathing during sleep. Now, box breathing is a pattern of inhale, hold, exhale, hold. And this is done repeatedly for a given period of time. Think of each duration of your inhale, hold, exhale, hold as the side of a four-sided box. So you have four sides and each side is equal to create a square or a box. How long should the duration of each inhale, hold, exhale, hold be? Well, that's going to be based on your score of your carbon dioxide tolerance test. Reference that table that I added in the description of this notes for the duration to practice box breathing. Now, some people just say four seconds in, four seconds hold, four seconds out, four seconds hold. So four seconds each one. But as with everything in health, fitness, nutrition, wellness, it should be individualized to where you're currently at. So definitely take a look at that table to see what you did when it came to that breath hold and then exhale as much and slowly as you can. And how long did that take? Again, practice two to three minutes of box breathing, just one to two times per week. Repeat the tolerance test after one to two weeks of practice to see if you can increase the duration of holding on each side and how long can your exhale get. Progress ultimately leads to less frequent breaths and healthier breathing patterns. Let's talk about my favorite thing to use breath work for, and that's breathing for stress reduction. Use a science-based strategy for stress relief with the physiological side. The physiological side. This is something that Andrew Huberman coined, I think, and he made it very popular at least, and I love it. I do it all the time. The physiological side, what you're going to do is you're going to take two consecutive inhales through the nose, one big inhale followed by another inhale with no exhale in between. So it's double inhale, and you're going to do this to maximally inflate your lungs. So it's that one big long inhale and then a nice sharp short one to try to get those lungs maximally inflated. And then you're going to exhale all the air out of your lungs empty via your mouth. So it's This rapidly shifts your autonomic nervous system from a state of elevated arousal and agitation toward a state of feeling more calm. It is 
to my knowledge at least, the fastest way to calm down in real time. Even just one, one to three physiological size can allow us to stay or return to a calmer state. Try it right now. You just feel better in one breath. There is also value to practicing physiological size in collaboration with Dr. David Spiegel of Stanford School of Medicine. Professor Huberman's laboratory published a clinical trial showing that cyclical physiological size practiced daily for five minutes at a time, reduce overall stress, promote relaxation, improve sleep, huge, lower resting heart rate, and enhance your mood. Boom, the physiological sigh. When you're in traffic and you're getting pissed off, when you don't make that red light, anytime you find yourself in that state of arousal and you don't want to be there, physiological sigh. It's cheap, it's easy, it's fast. What a hack. Let's talk about breathing for alertness and for focus. You can use cyclic hyperventilation to increase alertness and enhance your focus. And the way you do this is repeated, forceful, deep inhales, followed by exhales, equaling hyperventilation. This causes a release of adrenaline in the brain and body and thus increases alertness and our capacity for focus. So cyclic hyperventilation, take a deep inhale through the nose, immediately followed by a deep exhale, active or passive, through the mouth, in through the nose, out through the mouth. Deep inhale through the nose, immediate followed by a deep exhale, active or passive throughout the mouth. Repeat this about 25 times, then fully exhale until the lungs are empty. Once your lungs are empty and the exhale is done, hold your breath for 15 to 30 seconds and then repeat for up to five minutes. Expect to feel a little tingly or agitated right after completing the exercise. However, over the next few minutes, adrenaline will increase and improve your focus and attention greatly. This is also what a lot of people know as Wim Hof breathing. You shouldn't do Wim Hof breathing while operating any kind of vehicle or machinery or while in any body of water, um, because there is definitely a risk of passing out if you do this too much, too aggressively, uh, too long. But while cyclic hyperventilation increases stress in the short term, repeated training allows you to practice staying calm while feeling this agitated feeling and leads to a higher stress threshold. So you're able to handle stress the more that you do this type of breathing. Again, please use caution practicing this technique if you're prone to panic attacks or if you have high anxiety or if you're doing this while performing any type of like operating machinery or anything like that. Never ever perform hyperventilation near in or in any body of water. There is a possibility of passing out, which can lead to shallow water blackouts, which can result in drowning, car accidents, especially when combined with extended breath holds. So be safe about it. Do it. Mostly people do this lying on their backs in a, in a safe, comfortable position on their yoga mat. Okay, let's talk about breathing and heart rate variability. We've talked a little bit about heart rate variability on this podcast, but it's still something that not a lot of people know about. The science of heart rate variability has long been used in sports, in military, 
and in clinical practices. There is a direct connection between breathing and heart rate, a direct connection, allowing you to deliberately reduce your heart rate, example, perhaps prior to sleep or prior to an important interview or a public speaking event, anything like that, or increasing your heart rate prior to any sort of athletic performance or where you need to be amped up. And it is rooted in something called respiratory sinus arrhythmia, respiratory sinus arrhythmia, which sounds bad, but is actually a hardwired and normal feature of our body. It has a complex circuitry related to the vagus nerve that links the brain and the body together, including your heart, your lungs, and your brainstem. But it can't be summarized very simply here. To increase your heart rate, deliberately inhale longer and more deeply, more vigorously than your exhale. You should be focusing on your inhales if you're wanting to increase your heart rate. And vice versa, to decrease your heart rate, your exhale should be longer and more emphasized than your inhale. Exhale more deep and slow than your inhale. Here are some examples of this in common breathwork practices, and you'll see why they produce the effects that they do. It's about whether the breathwork emphasizes the duration and or vigor of exhales, for example, the physiological sigh, or the duration and or vigor of your inhales, for example, cyclic hyperventilation. And if they're balanced or if they're balanced, box breathing. In fact, just understanding this inhale to increase heart rate and exhale to decrease heart rate phenomenon, this can allow you to adjust your state of mind and your body anytime. That's crazy to me. Deliberately, as needed, without the need uh, to do any sort of dedicated breath work or take any sort of pills. Deliberate breathing is a powerful tool to control your brain-body state. You now have the knowledge and protocols to incorporate breathwork in real time and or as dedicated practice for a certain period of time in your day. Whether you do it daily or you only do it once in a while, I'm certain that you'll find this to be a very potent tool as it affects so many neural circuits, neurochemicals and hormone systems in the brain and the body. It is that powerful. Get to breathing Start exploring what it means for you and your body and notice the states that your breath can help put you in when you emphasize the inhale or the exhale or equal breathing. And that's it, my friends, for this bite-sized brain snack. Share the knowledge that you gained with your friends and family and hold each other accountable. If you enjoyed this content, it helps a ton if you could post on your social media stories a screenshot of this episode and include one takeaway that you learned. Make sure that you tag me and share your journey. You can tag me at liveinthedream underscore podcast or at coach Damien underscore SD. And let us know how this episode benefited you. Let us know what we missed. Let us know what we got wrong. Tell us how you have leveraged breath to affect the state that you're in or if you've had any experiences worth sharing involving breath or breath work. We want to know. Message us if you have any suggestions or tips that would help your live in the dream team that we can discuss on future episodes. And I will be right here with you working on making us stronger, happier, and healthier humans. Until next time, friends, keep living the dream.